It's a wonderful uh, hymn to uh, leave off with before we uh, go to a message in which I want to reflect and meditate upon a godly life. I want to be absolutely clear, and, and Charlie would want us to be absolutely clear, that the righteousness by which Charlie stands now blameless in the presence of God was not the righteousness of Charlie Jaworski, which I will talk about. I do believe that there's a righteousness there. But the righteousness by which he stands blameless in the presence of God with great joy is the imputed or credited righteousness of Jesus Christ. That when Charlie, in midlife, uh, heard the gospel and believed and confessed his sin and believed in Jesus Christ as his Savior, that at that moment, that good news that God accounted to Charlie the righteous works of Jesus Christ and accounted Charlie's sins as being paid by Jesus' death. Be absolutely certain. That is, that is the righteousness by which Charlie is now in the presence of God. He would want us to be clear on that. But I want this morning to explain to you why I'm going to... This is a very unique message. I don't know that there's... I've done this too many times. I'm going to uh, preach God's Word, and I, my desire is to honor God and the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to... Uh, just kind of give a precedent for why I'm, I'm going to preach in the way I am. But before I do, let me pray before I go any further. Oh God, we thank you for the gospel, the good news that the most wretched, foul sinner can be saved, forgiven of sin, cleansed, washed, embraced, and welcomed home by trusting in Jesus Christ, your Son, as Savior. What a joy that is for us this morning. And we pray that even today that there might be some among us who would trust in Jesus as their Savior, like Charlie did in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning I'm going to be looking at various passages, and uh, if you want to follow along, you're welcome to. But I'd like to begin with Isaiah 57, verse 1. Because I want to give you a, a, a rationale as to why, you know, what are the grounds, what are the biblical grounds for taking a whole sermon? And I do not do this every time that a Christian passes and there will be a service, God willing, next weekend. But I really won't have that much time in that service and I will be preaching the gospel in that service, otherwise... Uh, when I go to glory, uh, Charlie will be there meeting me and saying, <laughs> uh, hey, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, Charlie, I have to talk about Jesus and the gospel in the service, right? I mean, I would anyways, but um, so why would I take time this morning to reflect? In Isaiah, on Charlie's life from the word of God, Isaiah 57, 1. The righteous man perishes and no one takes it to heart. And devout men are taken away while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from evil. 
Um, interesting, as I visited with Ed Jaworski, Charlie's brother, this, this week, um, he referenced this verse, um, the, the part where the righteous man is taken away from evil. And, and one of the reasons we can have joy is, is that Charlie is just away from this wretched world. Uh, he, he's, you know, this, this world was not worthy of uh, such an innocent man like Charlie. And so he's, but I want to direct your attention to verse, the first half of verse one. The righteous man perishes, devout men are taken away. No one considers it. This was an evil, wicked day in the days of, of Judah, and Israel by this time is, is away. And one of the indictments upon that generation is that the righteous men among them, when they died, nobody even thought about it. And they just kind of moved on, which flip that around. That tells us that when a righteous man or a devout man is taken from us, it is good for us to pause and to ponder that man's life and to consider for the sake of wisdom how we might live. And so we want to take it to heart and we want to understand as we think about this righteous man. Um, I, I if, and Charlie wouldn't like this, but it's the truth. If you were to put me in a room of all the saints I think that I've known, and I've known some precious saints um, who love God, love Jesus Christ. But if you were just to ask me, Gabe, in this gathering of this assembly of all the people that you've known, if you had to pick, if you had to, if you thought who was the most practically righteous, godly saint, I think I'd point you to Charlie Jaworski. And I'm saying that. I, I, my father-in-law, Herman Heinz, I mean, oh, my, my Jim Hofford, we, we miss him, and, and some of these great men, my, my friend Harold Duff, and uh, the women, the godly women that I've known. Um, but I, my opinion, but as I take into account what the Scriptures have to say, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd point you to Charlie. And that's very interesting because he's not, a, he's not a man that the world would even take notice of. He would not be anywhere close in the world's eyes to a front runner for one of the most influential men. But I want to share with you this morning why, why he was and why he is. The other text that uh, I guess as a grounds for why I'm doing what I'm doing this morning is Hebrews 13, verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7. And there in Hebrews 13, 7, we actually are commanded. We are actually commanded to remember the godly men and women that God brought into our lives. We live in a culture that's just moving at such a fast pace and just lives mindlessly day to day. And we don't even know how to slow down anymore and grieve or consider a godly life. And so we want to do that. And Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember, speaking to Christians, to the church, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. So we're actually commanded in Scripture to remember those who led us. And again, Charlie wasn't, you know, uh, an elder or a deacon. Um, certainly, his character is of kind, 
Um, you know, he's just a godly man. But he led us. How many times um, in, in a morning worship service, you know, did I come and I was a little tired or just kind of, I don't know, you know, just struggling. And I hear his prayer or I hear his, his amen. Um, last Sunday, I was so weak. I was so weak. That was one of the weakest times I have ever stood in a pulpit, physically, mentally, spiritually. And uh, Charlie was my right, well, my left-hand guy. Just, just, I mean, when you preach, he, mm, yeah. I mean, you don't have to do that. But, but I mean, I just, I mean, he might as well, he was, he was preaching with me. And so he led us. How many times did he lead us in prayer meeting? How many times in a room when the rest of us didn't want to pray? And by the way, some of you, I'll say this right now, are going to have to step up and start praying because <laughs> we got some shoes to fill. And, uh, but how many times did we not want to pray and Charlie led us in prayer? So he led us. And so this morning, I want to take a few minutes to remember this dear brother to the honor of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about the blessed, righteous man. That's the title of this message. The blessed, righteous man. Um, and I have some points here. And I, I want to just, I want to, I want to obey Hebrews 13, 7. And I want to consider the result of this godly man, this righteous man's conduct among us. So that we might honor his Lord and so that we might, in the words of Hebrews 13, 7, imitate his faith. We can. We can. And we, we want to. And God will help us. Well, first of all, this morning, I want to tell you, number one, that the righteous man is not a myth. The righteous man is not a mythical creature. And when I say righteous man this morning... I am talking, yes, about a man or a woman who has trusted in Christ and has been forgiven of their sins, robed with the righteousness of Christ. Yes, but I'm specifically talking about then someone who by faith in Christ is righteous, who then is practically righteous in their life. And we live in a time and age when God Godliness is so rare and godlessness is so common where we can come to a place where we, we almost excuse ourselves and we say, well, you know, I know you can be forgiven of your sins by faith in Jesus Christ, but no one is really a righteous man or woman practically wrong. Charlie was not righteous and godly man merely by the imputed righteousness of Christ. That is foundational, that is essential, that is, that is by, again, that righteousness by which he stands in Christ. But he wasn't just righteous by the imputed. He was practically, really, truly righteous. Not perfect, but practically righteous in his day-to-day -day living. You cannot say that it is impossible to be practically a righteous man or woman. And I don't think you're saying that, but I think sometimes that kind of, what can get a hold of us is that, well, that's just impossible. 
God doesn't know me. God doesn't know the material he's working with. I can't be godly, some of us. We may not say it that boldly, but we may have just come to the place where we're just settled in that or where we see so much hypocrisy, and, and we, unfortunately we do, that we, we start to entertain the idea that the, what the Bible says about righteous men, righteous women, is just kind of a fable. It's, it's a mythic no one's really practically well yes they are and charlie was one of them and there's others we are here you know but but he he is a righteous man not just by imputed but in his practical living not perfect i know charlie wasn't perfect you know charlie wasn't perfect charlie knew he wasn't perfect but if you want an idea of what practical godliness looks like, what I'm doing is I'm directing you to consider his life. So let's get that out of the way. A righteous man is not a mythical creature. He's real. He's walked among us. Charlie's not the only one, but I think he's one of the best examples. And I want to remind you, as I I did to folks in Sunday school, you may not understand and believe this, but Charlie wanted nothing to do with God or Christ for about the first half of his life. Can you believe that? I mean, he wouldn't set foot in a church. He, he didn't probably know where he had a Bible. He didn't pray. He didn't want to go to Sunday school or church. He didn't want to sing hymns. He didn't want to pray. He didn't want to do any of that stuff until God got a hold of his heart in about his, his early 40s, I believe, and uh, through some pretty amazing circumstances. And Charlie, God worked in his heart. So let me talk about that. Number two. The righteous man's origin. So where does he come from? (laughs) Where does this kind of guy come from? And you must understand this, that what we witness in this godly man, this joyful man, this kind, gentle man, this was not natural. If you think that was just Charlie by way of his personality, you don't get it. Because again, he was a godless, worldly man for for much of his life until God got a hold of him. So where does the righteous man come from? From God. And he's born of God. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received Christ, to them God gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Righteous men and women are born of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter 1, 23. You have been born again, speaking to a Christian. You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Charlie loved to reflect on the new birth. Uh, that uh, a dead, sinful man or woman can be regenerated, born again by the Spirit of God. That's where a righteous, godly man comes from. It's not, first of all, from human will. It's not from a set of New Year's resolutions, right? It's a, it's a work of God, a gracious work of God. And Charlie always loved talking about the new birth, and he recognized that he would never have loved Christ never have wanted anything to do with the church or with the Word of God if it weren't for 
God by His Spirit, convicting Him of sin, giving Him a new heart, and giving Him a faith in Jesus Christ. That's where a righteous man or woman comes from, ultimately. is from, from God giving them new life. It's not merely a, a determination of the human will. It's a determination of God's will. And if you're here this morning and you've trusted in Jesus Christ, one of the things that we can do to honor Charlie is to remember the wonder of the new birth. I mean, he really he loved talking about the Holy Spirit and the new birth. And we need to remember, those of us who know God, know Christ, have been born again, we need to reflect on this morning the wonder of that. That that's, that's a work of God when He convicted us of our sin, persuaded us of the truth of Jesus. That we are Christians not by our own choosing ultimately, but by the sovereign, kind, loving grace of God. That's where a righteous man comes from. He's not a myth, and he doesn't come from the will of man, but the will of God, born of the Spirit. Thirdly, I want to consider with you for a few moments the righteous man's source of life and strength. The righteous man's life and strength. And I have three sub-points. I have an A, B, C, okay? <laughs> trying to order this a little bit this morning. But where, where does... I mean, the, the, uh, I mean, Charlie was a little hyper. I don't know if you knew that. I can imagine him sitting in elementary school, just sitting there, just wiggling, boy. Just, I mean, you know, he wasn't great in school, and, and he just, he always wanted to be doing something, even at 74 years old. And uh, he was an active man, as you know. But his strength was, again, not merely by personality or physical strength. The strength to do what he did in his ministry to his wife and to us and to the nursing home and to so many came by, first of all, the indwelling Spirit. Born of the Spirit of God, that Spirit remains in the Christian. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? It's the Spirit of God indwelling a, a Christian man or woman that gives the strength. That is, the, that is what was... What, what did we witness it in Charlie when he greeted us, when he inquired of how we were doing, when, when he set aside his, his schedule to serve us and, and to, he just set aside what he did to come and help us, when he prayed for us, when he inquired. What, what, what energized him? I mean, what, what's behind that? The indwelling Spirit of God. Again, that's encouraging because that's, just doesn't, that's not unique to Charlie. That's true of every believer. The indwelling spirit. Secondly, the source of life and strength I want to draw your attention to was the Word of God. The Word of God. When I, uh, that afternoon when God took Charlie home and I went over to the house, Kathleen called me and I went over and uh, there on the kitchen table, um, as always, where Charlie sat was his Bible propped up. And uh, that's where he mostly did his devotions, read the scriptures over breakfast, had devotions with Kathleen in the morning. 
Um, Charlie had always a list of things he wanted to do. Active man, but he never, ever went on with his day without setting his eyeballs on the Word of God. And he has, uh, Kathleen has now, one of the two most marked up Bibles I have ever seen, and the other was my father-in-law. If you put their two Bibles side by side, they're almost identical. They're just, you'd almost think it's dishonoring the way that these guys underlined and marked and highlighted, and, and it, but it wasn't dishonoring. And you say, and we don't all have to do that. I, just, I want you to understand something. Do you, do you know why these men did that? You know why Charlie did that? It's because he wasn't a great student. He wasn't a great reader. Um, And so that's partly what he had to do. And as I said, he was a little wiggly, (laughs) a little distracted. So he took himself in hand, you see. And by underlining and marking and writing, what he was doing was he was keeping himself little by little devouring the word of God. We read it this morning, Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He just set the word of God before his eyeballs, and then, and then he'd have a hymn in his head which would help bring the word of God to his head. And again, I, I commend to you that Charlie was no academic. I mean, he just, he was a farmer. This is all by his own testimony. And yet, because he understood the Bible was his source of life and strength, he nourished himself on the word of God. First Peter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Charlie tasted the kindness of the Lord in saving him, and then he gave himself to nourishing himself little by little. Can you imagine, can you think of a day when Charlie really didn't know his Bible very well? Didn't really know truths about God that much? And little by little, little nibble, little little drinking day by day of the Word of God, he became a man who was... Like, like was said of, of, I think it was John Bunyan, he bled Bible, bled Bible. Got so much in him, he, if you, you know, it's like bibline in his, in his veins. And again, brothers and sisters, that, that's not impossible. That's an example for imitate their faith. So one of the things we must do to honor the Lord and to remember our brother is those of us who it's been a while, we got away from reading our Bibles and we got on to, we, we're more devoted to reading Fox News or Wall Street Journal or wherever it is than our Bible. For those of us, we've got to, we go, wait a minute, we've got to get back to basics in this new year. Read our Bibles. And maybe you don't read it for an hour. Maybe you take 10 minutes and you read your Bible. But we read our Bibles. That's the source of Charlie's strength. Take, take that Bible away from him on a daily basis, you would never have seen what you saw. You never would have seen the truth, the peace, the joy, the Word of God, His strength. Thirdly, under this third point, 
of the righteous man's source of life and strength, the indwelling spirit, the word of God, and thirdly, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Charlie, uh, when I asked, uh, when I went home um, after uh, going to the hospital and, and Charlie was with the Lord and I went home and uh, obviously just in shock and grieving, but I, I just, with the girls around the table and, and Mimi Hofford was up with us and um, I just said to the girls, you know, have you ever known someone who was more happy than Charlie? And Mimi spoke up. Papa, <laughs> Jim Hoffer, and I, I, I think so. Um, uh, and that was not natural personality per se. That was the joy of the Lord. And you don't know Charlie if, if you think that's because everything went well in his life. Um, that's not true. He had a family with challenges and the kind of heartaches that many of us know, and even more so. He knew what it was to have a bad day, things not going well for him. He knew what it was to have frustrations with himself and with others. He had all that. Um, he worked for many years at Merrimack County, even getting up early in the morning. And I mean, he didn't have it easy. And yet, the older he got, the more joyful he was. So much so that it rebuked ours, didn't it? Some, some of you know what I'm saying? Like when I was with Charlie, it, it would, his joy would rebuke sometimes my lack of joy. You ask Charlie, how you, how you doing, Charlie? And you almost look at you, well, I'm fine. Almost like, why'd you ask? <laughs> and, but it was true. And why was it? Because things were going well in his life? No, it was the joy of the Lord. There's a precious uh, passage in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. You can write it down, Nehemiah 8.10. And, and that's when there was a dedication service. So the, the temple that had been destroyed by the Babylonians was being rebuilt and they had laid the foundation of the, of the temple. And um, this was an amazing moment when after 70 plus uh, years of uh, the temple being destroyed, it was, it was being rebuilt. And, but there were older generation there that had seen the original temple. And so when the new foundation was built, they, were, they started weeping because there was a fresh realization of how much had been lost. And, and just a realization of the sin of the nation and the judgment. And so the people were, there was mixed rejoicing, but also weeping when the first layer of the, the foundation of stones were laid. But in Nehemiah 8.10, the people were told that they were not to grieve on that day. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What's there to rejoice in in the Lord? What's there not to rejoice in the Lord? There's much to grieve in life. There's much that breaks our hearts, and we are grieving. I'm grieving. Um, The loss of our brother, but we have joy because of the Lord. And that joy is our strength. That's why we must guard that joy, brothers and sisters. We must fix our eyes on the truths of Scripture, on the love of God for us proven in Christ, on the promises of God that have not fallen to the ground. 
that he is faithful and will never leave us or forsake us. These are the things that, that feed our joy. And even while we have sorrows that, that accompany that joy, we have a deep joy knowing the truths of Christ and the gospel. And that was the source of Charlie's strength, the joy of the Lord. Well, I have just a few more points here about the righteous man. He's not a myth. We've looked at his origin. It is the will of God, the new birth. His source of life and strength is the Spirit, the Word of God, and the joy of God. But I want to look with you for a few minutes at the righteous man's character. The righteous man's character. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5. And there we have the, what are often known as the Beatitudes in verses 3 through 10. If, uh, several times in, in, as I've texted various people about Charlie's going to be with the Lord, I, I commented in, that pretty much Charlie was the Beatitudes walking. If you want to know what Jesus is talking about. And again, there's people out there who, who seriously even teach that what Jesus is saying here is impossible. It's an impossible standard. Nobody actually realizes this. It's just, you know, he's just kind of, he's putting it out there as an ideal, but it doesn't really happen wrong. This is a real, this is the righteous, blessed man. Let me read to you Matthew 5, beginning in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We'll stop there. Blessed. This is not a mythical man. This is a real man, and this was our brother. And this is every, ultimately every believer. Because these characteristics, poor in spirit, this humility, selflessness, mourning over sin, this gentleness, this hunger and thirst for righteousness, these are all characteristics that are imparted by the Spirit of God to a believer. This is Christian discipleship. Again, as we think about Jesus saying, go and make disciples, and you've got to point to real living examples. And so Charlie was poor in spirit. He, in other words, he didn't, he didn't think highly of himself. He, he, in fact, he's one of the most selfless men I've ever known. I just, he just was oblivious to himself. So conscious of everybody else and their needs. Poor in spirit. That humility. Mourn. You know, Charlie was full of the joy of the Lord, but he also, I was with him numerous occasions when his heart was heavy over a loved one, over some situation. Or I've been with him when, when he was just grieving over his own sin. 
just grieved him. That, that song we sang earlier, Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Charlie has that right now. He, yeah, he sinned. He hated it. Hated it. He longed, hungered for righteousness. Practical. He wanted to please the Lord. Blessed are the gentle. One of the most gentle men. One of the most gentle men. Merciful, verse 7. You better believe Charlie's been wronged in his life. You better believe he's been abused. I mean, you know, in terms of, you know, people just who he served or loved and who have not loved him in return. The men who were at the Bible study remember when his car was stolen out here in the parking lot. <laughs> and I mean, I was, I was angry. Not a, I was a, whoever this was. I thought they just messed with the wrong... They just stole the wrong guy's car because God loves that man. And you don't know it, but you just stole the most righteous man in Concord's car. And that's a bad thing to do. And, um, but Charlie, his prayer was not only that the car would be returned, which I thought was ridiculous to pray for. I mean, I didn't tell him that. But that's what I'm thinking. I mean, Charlie, no one returns a stolen car, Charlie. And then, and, then, and then he was praying for that man that he would come to know Christ. Blessed are the merciful. No sense of condemnation. No sense of resentment. And, and Charlie loved that car. It was, you have to understand, he, I mean, it's silly to us, that piece of quality vehicle. He, 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 he loved it. It's like a little boy. He just he was kind of forlorn the next day because that car. And he had every reason to be bitter and angry and resentful. And he was free of all of it and prayed for that man. And what happened? This is, this is a true story. This happened right out here. It was stolen Tuesday night. By Wednesday night, that gentleman brought that car back to this parking lot with the keys in it, left not one, not two, but three notes saying, I'm sorry, and $10 in the car for gas. That doesn't happen. Ever. (laughs) And so, uh, shame on me for not believing that God can return a car and work in a man's heart. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, I already said this, but Charlie hated sinning. He, he, he knew he sinned. And he, was, he, he just, he prayed. He wanted to please God. He, he confessed his sin. He grieved over his sin. But remember, when he, when he confessed his sin, what did he do then? He believed God's promise. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which then meant that Charlie was joyful because God said, I'm forgiven. So I'm forgiven. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Just You couldn't get in a fight with Charlie. I mean, he wasn't a pushover, but 
he's a peacemaker. He wanted he, he hated anybody who was at odds. He wanted peace. And blessed are those who've been persecuted. Don't you think that behind his back Charlie was mocked at times? This man who goes into the nursing home telling all these people about the hope that there is in Jesus, singing hymns. What an old, ignorant, sentimental, religious man. Blessed. Blessed are. This is not mythical. This, this man walked among... This, this is, God gave us a man who, who lived out these characteristics among us. And I ask you, was he not blessed? It was evident, blessed. And he would say it, I'm so blessed. He said, I can't get over it. He could never get over the fact that God saved him and counted himself the most blessed man on the face of the planet. Blessed. Blessed. The righteous man's character. Lastly this morning, the righteous man's motive. The righteous man's motive. Why do you do what you do? Why do you live? It's amazing how many people I ask that question in counseling and they look at me. Never thought of it before. Even Christians. Why do you do what you do? Why do we live? Well, the righteous man or woman is really one motive at the end of the day. You can say it in different ways, but it really boils down to this. Love for Jesus. Love for Jesus. 1 Peter 1.8, this is Charlie to a T. Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. If there's one dominant characteristic in Charlie's life that motivated him, characterized him, that man loves Jesus. I say loves present tense because he loves Jesus right now. Love Jesus because God and Jesus first loved him. And that motivated him. One more verse this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.14 There the Apostle Paul says, For the love of Christ, the love of Christ constrains or controls us. This is the righteous man's motive for living, for doing what he or she does, for continuing on in very difficult, painful circumstances, for serving in forgotten places where no one's ever probably going to know what you did, how you helped people, for loving, for serving, for giving, for singing, for praying, for worshiping, was, is love for Jesus. This is the righteous man. And God has been so good to give us numerous examples of godliness and righteousness. I know that you have others that you can think of this day who, who walked, but today we just, we thank God for this, this old farmer, as he would describe himself, named Charlie Jaworski, who lived among us an example of righteousness and godliness that we can follow, that we can imitate. Because all of these characteristics we've looked at, none of them are unique to Charlie. 
They are for every man or woman who trusts in Jesus Christ. But I want to close this morning by, by calling anyone who's here this morning who knew Charlie, and even if you didn't know Charlie, you've heard about him this morning. I want to call on you, if you have not confessed your sin, if you have not believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, please hear the gospel preaching of Charlie, both with his mouth and with his life. He's pointed us to Jesus Christ. That's what we must leave with this morning, is that Jesus Christ alone is Savior and Lord. And you must believe in Him. You must trust in Him. Confess your sin and call upon God right now where you are in your heart. Ask God to forgive you of your sins like Charlie did those years ago. And trust in Jesus Christ, His death on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the greatest way you can honor Charlie is by believing his testimony to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Jesus, rather Charlie, said with his mouth and with his life, Jesus Christ is Lord. How will you respond? Those of us who have trusted in Christ I want to ask you to consider uh, those, you know, the different aspects we went through a righteous man. Again, don't let the devil, do not let the devil or your unbelie- our unbelieving flesh tell you that you're just you and that you can't be changed. Again, we're talking this morning about a man into his 40s that wanted nothing to do with God. God can change anyone. And He can work in your heart, brother, sister, in Christ. And He can mold you and make you a little more like Jesus. Me too, and I'm so thankful for that. So, here's the question. What are we going to do? Imitate their faith, Hebrews 13, 7. So I want to ask you, get very specific in closing, as we have a moment of silence here just to pray. Are there a few aspects of Charlie's faith, whether it be reading Scripture, or whether it be the joy of the Lord, that you know you need to imitate. I want to ask you right now, and I'm going to do the same thing, to identify those things, to ask the Lord to imitate that faith. Okay? And if we ask the Lord, what would Charlie say? We should expect you're going to receive it. (laughs) So let's take a moment here and just identify those areas and speak to the Lord. Oh God, we thank you again for the example of this man among us. And we know that he would not want to point attention to himself, but to Jesus. And we thank you this morning that as we reflect on Charlie's example, that we are honoring Jesus. Because it's you, oh God, who saved Charlie, and it's Jesus, you, Lord, who changed him. And the characteristics that we saw in him of godliness were, it's, 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 It points us to you. 
We thank you. Help us now to imitate his faith, that we may honor you and that we may step in that gap that Charlie leaves. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.